Latoya Johnston, the Partnerships Manager at Brick, an arts and media nonprofit organization in Brooklyn. Welcome to the Partnerships Podcast, where we talk with community partners about their work and experiences making media projects with Brick. Today on the podcast, I'm talking with two representatives from Girls on the Run NYC, an organization that participated in the 2021 cycle of MediaShare. Brick MediaShare is an in-kind grant program that teaches Brooklyn-based or Brooklyn-affiliated nonprofits how to create and use media. Selected organizations take classes and collaborate with the producing mentor to create video or podcast projects to help inform the public about the great work they're doing in the community. Welcome Girls on the Run team. Please introduce yourself and tell us your role with the organization. We'll start with you, Allison. Hi, I'm Allison Hooser and I'm the executive director of Girls on the Run New York City. Hi, I'm Rosa. I'm the program director for Girls on the Run New York City. So please tell our audience more about Girls on the Run. So Girls on the Run New York City, we're a youth development program, and we serve students in grades three through eight all across New York City, uh, all five boroughs, all kinds of school sites, community center sites. Um, and when I say we serve them, we offer a program and a curriculum for third to fifth graders, and then uh, an updated uh, for age group curriculum to sixth to eighth graders. And our Girls on the Run curriculum is a 10-week season, and it teaches girls life skills. We talk about emotions and values and self-esteem, all while training them to complete a 5K event. A 5K is 3.1 miles, and so by the end of the season, every student is able to run or walk or roll, whatever uh, ability that they have to complete the 5K, and um, we're there to support them. Now that we've learned more about the program, please take us through a day at Girls on the Run. Yeah, so a typical day is um, a practice session for a team. So that could be anywhere between 75 and 90 minutes for our elementary age teams or um, a two-hour session if someone in the middle school age group is using that type of model. Um, but for the sake of your question, I'll do the 75 to 90 minute example. Um, picturing after school, changing, loud echoey cafeteria, lots of movement, um, girls putting on their sneakers, going to the bathroom, and then having that time to check in with students and see how their day's going. What, what's been happening during the day that might affect um, their mood during the program? Um, it's a really great way of checking in, so you kind of doing a mood meter. And then from that, you're able to transition to your practice place. Um, I'm coaching a team right now in Windsor Terrace, Brooklyn, so... I uh, walk with the girls to Central Park, uh, not Central Park, Prospect Park, sorry, Prospect Park. And um, as we go, we get to hear about their days. They're very excited to tell me what they've been doing. Um, Halloween's coming up, so I've been hearing lots about Halloween costumes and a boobash. Um, and then from that, we jump into the lesson and we get on board. We um, learn about the learning goal. They're able to do a warm-up activity, stretch, and then do the workout, um, and then wrap up the lesson with an identity card, which is an opportunity for them to reflect on what they learned from the day and put it on um, this big poster called an identity card. Um, and then we'll do some energy awards and celebrate uh, some of the things that we learned from that lesson. Throughout the course of the program, how do you keep parents or caregivers involved in each session? 
Yeah, we do that in a, a couple of different ways. The first being a welcome letter to the families and parent guardians to let them know about the program, give them any site-specific details so that they're ready to be successful for the season. Um, and then in addition to that, we will also do weekly communication letters where we'll recap the learning goals from each lesson that week and give some um, suggestions for questions to extend the activities and conversations within the household. Um, then another way that we like to communicate with families is to prepare for the Girls on the Run 5K event that happens at the end of the season that Allison mentioned. And from that, we're able to talk about the event, kind of get ready for the logistics, how to get to Randall's Island, which is where we hold the 5K. I might pass it to Allison real fast so she can tell you a little bit more about those communications. Yeah, one of the exciting tools we have for all of our curriculums in the Girls on the Run program is a grown-up guide. So that goes home with the student after their first session so that coaches get to meet the parents if they don't already know them. A lot of our volunteer coaches are school staff, social workers, teachers, uh, assistant principals, uh, we have a security guard, just a range of people who care about students in their community. And so the coaches meet the parents, the guardians, the caregivers, and they give them this grown-up guide. And there's a few things happening with that grown-up guide. One is that it overviews every lesson that the students will be doing so that the family has an understanding of what their student uh did and participated and talked about in the program that day. And then it gives them a couple of conversation starters. So those are questions they can ask over dinner, uh, on their walk home, on their subway ride or bus ride home, you know, however they're transitioning uh, with their student. Um, there's They can pop up uh, these questions and ask, you know, what did you learn? Um, but it's a little more thoughtful than that because the parents get an understanding. Was the session on empathy? Was the session on I can choose my friends and I can um, understand and know what my own values are and what values I look for in a friend? The other thing that happens in that grown-up guide is that it allows the parents and guardians to train for the 5K, too. So it's got a 5K run-walk training program so that uh, parents and guardians, if they so desire, and including if they've never run themselves before, they have the opportunity to have some guidance and coaching along the way. Because at the end of Season 5K that we've talked about, it's a great event. Um, we've For the last few years, including uh, while we were in the BRIC program, we were doing these team by team all around the city. So Rosa and I got to run around all June so of 2022, <laughs> Williamsburg Bridge, Prospect Park, Central Park, St. Mary's Park in the Bronx, just all over the city seeing these 5Ks. And we're, we're glad to be back with one big event uh, this fall. But no matter what, the 5K is a celebration of the students. It's also a goal that they've set and they want to accomplish, and we support them in accomplishing it. Whatever pace, we use happy pace as a term a lot, whatever pace it is that they need to complete it, and they all have a running buddy that day. So that's where that training program for the parents, guardians, caregivers comes into play. We also have a fair number of siblings, aunts, uncles, um, grandma, grandpa, just lots of people coming into the mix that might want to run that day. Some students have multiple running buddies. We also see a lot of school or community-based organization members, whoever's hosting the program site. Um, they typically all want to get involved, even if they're not coaching the program. The 5K is a day where the principal, the site director, you know, they can come out and they can run and or cheer and support the students. After completing the 5K race, what are some of the reactions you get from the participants? Yeah, so after the 5K, they are smiling, smiling. 
sometimes they're in shock. And so I uh, have the joy of having been a coach myself for seven years, and now I've been the director for 10 years. So I've seen a fair number of 5Ks, and I get to stand at the finish line. Uh, now that I'm in my staff role, it's it's my duty, but also truly it's my honor because I get to see all of these reactions. So right when they cross the finish line, um, there's hugs, sometimes there's tears, sometimes tears of joy, and again, tears of shock that they've done mm-hmm. it. Sometimes there's uh, they're waiting around because they might have left their running buddy. (laughs) They were actually going at two different paces. That's okay. Actually, on the day of the 5K, we have a ton of people who volunteer to be sparkle runners. And so they just line the course and they're there to support any student because we know that, you know, not everybody knows their pace going into this event. So every student is supported along the way. And then when we talk to students in future seasons, when we visit schools and we, we ask them about the program experience, a lot of them certainly bring up the 5K, how much it meant to them, um, to be able to go, particularly when it's been at Icon Stadium, and to go and celebrate in this big way and having so many people there cheering for them. Um, it, it's a little different than, you know, doing laps around their schoolyard when their workout is 30 minutes or 40 minutes. Um, it's a different energy, certainly, when they're with hundreds of other people on the course. And so they get to tell us about that. And they also tell us about the pride that they have that they completed it, that they completed the program, and that also they participated in and completed the 5K. Um, A few years ago, I was actually walking in South Brooklyn to cheer on the Brooklyn Half Marathon, and I was wearing my Girls on the Run shirt, as I often do around town, (laughs) and uh, a woman stopped me, and she said, I know you, and I knew it was probably Girls on the Run related, and I said, okay, like, give me a couple of clues, remind me who you are, and then there was another younger woman with her, and she said, you were my daughter's coach, and I looked at her daughter, who was at the time, I think, a junior at um, at Howard in DC and I knew instantly who they were and it was just such a beautiful moment and you know we had the chance to talk about what the program and the 5k had meant to her and they were actually going to cheer their sister on uh, who was running the Brooklyn half but what a special moment to meet someone as a third grader uh, you know see them again uh, uh, when they're they're in college and getting to just hear about their life experience since R- really powerful really fun that's so wonderful thank you for sharing that story story with us. So after the program has ended, what are some of the next steps to help them on their journey? Uh, so after the program has ended, we actually have multiple versions of our elementary school curriculum and also multiple versions of our middle school curriculum. So at some of our schools and some of our program sites, we do have students who want to and can repeat the program. So we offer the program in the fall season and the spring season each academic year. So there are certainly some students who actually do the program six times between third and fifth grade. Uh, sometimes students graduate on and they find confidence to go join a theater group. I've had parents share that with me. Sometimes they're a little embarrassed that their student isn't doing Girls on the Run anymore. Uh, But then they tell me the full story. And one, they don't need to be embarrassed. We love when students participate in the program once or six times. But also when they share with me that they found confidence to go try something new, that is entirely what our program is all about. To give them tools and skills uh, to help them celebrate how they're like others and also celebrate how they're unique and different. Uh, And if, you know, going out for theater is their their goal or they realize it's a goal, we want to honor and and celebrate them in that. So it's really fun to hear from families and to hear from schools about the impact the program has on individual students and also in the school community. We've had schools share with us that the culture of an entire grade has changed um, just by the students who are participating in Girls on the Run are showing up, they're bringing their skills, um, 
uh, we don't call them this at the third to fifth grade level, but really, you know, some conflict management skills. Uh, we're, we're teaching them tools like I can stop and take a breather. So if they're faced with a tough situation or they realize that, that they're uh, they're not sure how to respond and they're feeling a little bit overwhelmed, they can ta- stop, take a deep breath, think about how they want to respond, respond, and then they review how they responded. Do they like it? Did it go well? Was there something they want to change? Do they need to ask an adult or a friend for help? All of that is really important. And so um, we've seen these skills show up and we've heard from schools that, again, it's actually changed the dynamic of like the cafeteria at lunchtime with all the fourth graders has become a different, more pleasant and more joyful place just because of the skills that the students are, are sharing and using in their experiences you know, vastly far and wide beyond just the, the hour and a half they're in Girls on the Run twice a week. Yeah, and I, I think that that notion of that it's not just a 10-week program, but um, instilling a lifelong appreciation for movement and self-worth. And I think that is where we can see the continuation in the program. So while they might be in fifth grade and then move to a, a middle school that doesn't have the program, they're walking away with those lifelong skills where they'll be able to advocate for themselves, each other, and their community. Um, and one thing that I really enjoy, too, um, that is in the works, we're trying to bring it back, but um, is a junior coach model in that people in high school under 18, um, like a 16 to 18 age group, can help um, coach and be a part of the, the program in a new way. Uh, right now, for our coaches, they need to be 18 or older, but they're, you know, there's a gap right now between eighth grade and being 18. How do you stay connected? What are other ways that you can be with Girls on the Run? So it's something that we're exploring, um, not right now, but um, in the future uh, as we grow. And we're at a really exciting time in, in that in that way that we're growing and getting back to pre-pandemic numbers. So Good to hear. So let's talk about the Media Share program. Why was it important for Girls on the Run NYC to be a part of the Media Share program? So we think our program is awesome and our families and our students do and our coaches do and our volunteer ambassadors. But we are one wonderful youth uh, sports. uh, We are one wonderful youth development program that's sports based and movement based in a city that actually has a lot of wonderful youth uh, development programs that are sports based. And we're friends with with many of these organizations and we think they're wonderful. But we want to make sure that people know who we are and know what we do and know that we're not a track team or a run club or in fact much more than that. Certainly running is part of our mission. It's in our name. Uh, But running can also mean walking. It can mean if students have different abilities and running or walking isn't accessible or available to them, that they can still move and be part of our program, learn, gain new friends, gain new skills, accomplish goals. So I'd seen the Media Share program for the last several years and uh, was interested in it, you know, was grateful that Brick offered something like this to nonprofits. And we're a, a, a small staff team and a really mighty team with hundreds of volunteers beyond our five full-time staff that we currently have. Um, so we needed some support to get the word out. And so the Media Share program was going to build our skills internally, I knew from, from what I read. And it was also going to make sure this was a priority for us. So again, with a, with a small staff and a lot of reach across the five boroughs to try to expand our program in New York City, we were doing a lot of individual conversation on the ground, word of mouth work that's really important to us. But we weren't able to take the time or make it a priority actually to focus on how can we make a video and how can we really showcase who we are as Girls in the Run New York City to a larger group um, than just who we can talk to. And so 
the importance of the skills learning and then also the fact that we would be investing time and energy um, and so we would have to make it a priority was really important to us because we knew it should be a priority. So that was what launched us into being interested and in applying for the Media Share program. Rosa, during the grant program, you took a course in video production in the field. Can you tell us about your experience taking this class and how it shaped your media making skills? Sure. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed the video production in the field course, and I took it at a time where we were pretty far along in the media share program. I joined the team in fall of 2021, so we had already started learning, and then I joined in on this project, and we did our video with our mentor in the fall. I took this class in the spring, and then from it, I really enjoyed being able to take the world world application that I had and really walk away with, oh, this is the importance of lightning, composition, sound, sound being a big one, um, and to just understand what it means to, to be producing videos out in the field and the capacity that we have. I felt really empowered by the end of the course, and I really enjoyed my instructor and my classmates. Um, I, felt, I personally felt like a lifelong learner, and um, in my personal life, I'm a painter. So there are a lot of attributes to the fine art medium that I found myself applying in the video production in the field course. Um, overall, I, I think it was extremely helpful, and it makes me excited and um, know that we have the capacity to do our own films in the future um, with new staff and new programming and not have students in masks and, you know, think about what what phase of this world that we're in and what we can highlight that our program is offering in a time when kids' emotional needs aren't being met during the day due to academic learning loss and other priorities and um, conflicting priorities. So I I, overall, I think the class is great, and anyone who is thinking about taking it should because you walk away with a, a very good, um, solid understanding of what it means to be out in the field. What was your experience like working with your producing mentor? He was great. <laughs> um, so our mentor was uh, had lots of experience. He was patient. He was kind. Um, he was approachable. And he was really good at taking whatever he was showing us out in the field and then making sure that we were able to summarize what we learned. So if um, we were having sound issues, which was something we had one day, we were out in Prospect Park interviewing students and sirens went by, uh, dogs went by, bikes, uh, mopeds, just every city noise that you could think of. And while that's great because that really captures the essence of being in New York City, um, it was too much. So mm -hmm. he kind of showed us, like, what, what can you do in this moment? So we stopped. We troubleshoot, troubleshooted. Um, and then we were able to then learn from that and retake and improve the sound quality. So just moments like that and having that one-on-one -on -one attention, I don't think we would have made as successful as a video if we didn't have our mentor. In addition to that, when he was out of town, he had his buddy come in, uh, another mentor, and he showed us how to shoot on an iPhone um, during a practice. And that was very helpful and something that I think as we um, move forward in our production skills is the way that we will probably go because of the mobility and um, being able to do site visits, which we're doing already now, where we observe teams. I can easily pull out my phone and, and do that in real time. So I'm, I'm excited.
do you have any advice for the organizations who are currently enrolled in the grant program? Yeah, uh, lean into your classmates. I think that as someone who joined the cohort later in the experience, I had a lot of catching up to do. And it was really great to be part of a team where everyone was willing to help one another and learn about the great work that other nonprofits are doing. And then from that, when I did take the video production in the field, I knew my classmates already um, from our other meetings and um, networking. And we were able to help each other when we went out in the field and um, did some mock uh, filming and shooting. So I think leaning into your classmates is important. And then um, knowing that it's okay to ask questions. It's okay not to know what you're doing and to learn by doing. And I think a lot of times as adults, we want to get things right on the first try. We don't want to look you know, incompetent. We want to be masters already. Um, and skillful in whatever we're learning. But it's okay and, and it's important to ask questions and to be vulnerable in the space. What plans does the organization have for the rest of the year and into 2023? So many plans. <laughs> I'll pass it over to Allison to answer this right now. Yeah, so we are excited to be back at Icon Stadium on December 11th, uh, 2022, for our 5K. So we have kicked it off with our 5K leaders who will be joining us. Again, uh, awesome volunteers out there, an extension of our staff, about 50 people who help us put that day on for the hundreds of students in our program. We need people to volunteer and serve as sparkle runners and just show up and support us that day. Um, before then, though, we'll be visiting all of our program sites. Rosa mentioned we're already doing site visits, and we're documenting with photos and some videos and just capturing what's happening. We want to continue to use um, these these uh, visual mediums to continue to showcase our program. A lot of times, a social worker or a guidance counselor from a school will reach out to us. They'll be really excited about it. They'll say their principal's on board. But we know that we can get them in little even more on board and really bought in if we show them a, a little bit of our program and really what's happening. Um, we also often showcase a, a sample lesson to really um, to, to show people how it's not just about running, that we teach these skills. And video also helps that come across. When you watch our video that we made through the BRIC program and you see students talking and engaging sitting in a circle and having a conversation, then people understand how we're not just running laps. Uh, and in fact, often we're doing uh, unique things that aren't running laps to get our workout in, different games and activities where we talk about life scenarios uh, and, and how does it apply to me as a third grader? How does it apply to me as a seventh grader? And how would I respond? So we're excited to get the word out more about our program. We're hoping to, to really expand again in the spring of 2023. We have a lot of schools and sites interested. We want more people to know about us um, so that we can bring our program to their school or their community-based organization if they're interested. We work with a range of partners. So we're in a, um, a cornerstone program in a NYCHA community center this fall season. We work with um, family homeless shelter sites and providers. We work with lots of public schools, schools in all different uh, boroughs and all different types of schools. Um, so wherever third to eighth grade students are gathered, you know, we want to support them with the Girls in the Run program. So excited about the 5K, excited to expand our program, excited to hopefully produce a video from the 5K um, to, to showcase what that event is to potential volunteers and people who want to come support us in the spring. And then as we look at 2023 and beyond, you know, we're working to pilot some new ways to offer our new coach training. We're looking at new ways to um, offer different program models. We just 
want to be accessible to students. And we know that some uh, different techniques where coaches are so critical to us, but right now they're coming together for five hours in person with us for coach training. We're going to shrink that time a little bit and test it out in the spring. And we're really excited about that too. And we'd also love to to, to to get some footage of our coaches and to highlight them and to work to recruit coaches from new neighborhoods, new communities, either because there's already interest for the program there or so that they will bring the program there. So it's really about um, expanding who knows about us in Brooklyn and across the city. Where can our listeners find more information about the program? So you can visit us online at our website. It's gotrnyc.org. Those are our initials. Uh, you can also give us a call. Our phone number is 212-401-6380. We'd love to hear from you if you're a, a parent, a teacher, a caregiver, an interested volunteer, or just someone who believes in our mission. We'd love to connect. A big thank you to our guests today, Allison and Rosa of Girls on the Run NYC, and to Jose Astorga, my audio engineer and key member of the Brick Operations team. To watch the videos Girls on the Run NYC created during the Media Share program, please go to the Brooklyn Free Speech YouTube channel and click on the Media Share 2021 playlist. Brooklyn Free Speech is a public access television and podcast network for the Borough of Brooklyn. We air over 650 hours of TV shows, films, and shorts created by Brooklyn-based community producers that reflect their perspective on the world. For more information, please visit www.brickartsmedia.org.